Have you have you seen anything like that in your NFL never career? Never seen it ever. Pop Warner, high school, college, pros, never heard of it, never seen it. And it's just completely disrespectful when to did, uh, his teammates. Did he say anything to you did, as did, a veteran? Did he say anybody to anything? He didn't say nothing to nobody. He left? When did yeah, you, you know as much as I know. I know I found out going in the second half of the game. Uh, coming out, said they said he's not coming out. He retired. Hmm. So, what? Yep, that's it. If you came to this podcast thinking I was going to rebuke or slander Vontae Davis's decision to quit and retire in the middle of an NFL game yesterday, like you've come to the wrong place. I salute that brother's decision, and I first salute that brother's decision as someone who wants to quit his job on his own terms. I think that's everybody's dream as a matter of fact i'm gonna shout out my bro jarell wiley real quick because he called it the american dream no one wants to work their entire life people want to retire and not only retire you know healthy but they want to retire wealthy and vontae davis after a 10-year career in the nfl has put himself in a position to be able to do that in all honesty though this conversation is going to be a little deeper than vontae davis the individual because i want to kind of clap back at the backlash from people who are saying that he owed the team something, he owed his teammates something. Vontae Davis didn't owe them a single thing. As a matter of fact, I'll go a step further than that and say that I really think we have the idea of loyalty as it relates to labor in this country totally messed up. We don't demand loyalty from the leisure class in terms of football or not even in terms of football, just in terms of entertainment. Fans don't have to be loyal. We don't demand loyalty in terms of your leadership class, in terms of your ownership class. We don't demand that coaches be loyal to players or that, you know, ownership be loyal to players. The only individuals that we demand loyalty from is the labor class. And we do so to the labor class's detriment. At some point, we're going to have to learn that without reciprocity, there is no true loyalty. And if you don't know, (laughs) you're going to learn today. Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. Welcome to another episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. So glad you guys are checking in with us today. want to encourage you, as I always do, uh, if you're not following us on SoundCloud, do so. SoundCloud.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N-A difference. You can also go to Facebook and follow us. Y'all on Facebook all the time. Stop playing with me, man. Facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N-A different show. I want to go back to uh, something I said in the uh, opening commentary because some people say, well, fans got to be loyal. Coaches got to be loyal. Ownership has to be loyal. Listen. There was a story I heard about earlier this year about uh, some New York Knicks fan who actually sold his loyalty, like literally like paid. uh, I want to say something in the in the thousands of dollars he paid and became I think he became a Lakers fan or something like that. Like fan loyalty is not required. I mean, how do we hear about bandwagon fans or casual fans? Like that's not an expectation of fans per se. I mean, do we celebrate fan loyalty? Sure. But by and large. I mean, it's not required. I'll even go so far, and I've said this on a previous podcast, that ownership is not loyal to fans. I mean, you can have a fan base who, you know, has 
attended games and bought season tickets and have watched the team for, you know, for decades. And then ownership will say, well, you know, we want the taxpayers in this area to pay for the stadium, not us. You know, the billionaire owner or owners. And if you don't pay for the stadium, we're going to move the team somewhere else. That's the I mean, that's part of the irony of the situation. Vontae Davis, uh, who, again, former cornerback for the Buffalo Bills, was playing a game in a game against they were hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, that was formerly the San Diego Chargers. So how did we get from the San Diego to the Los An- from San Diego to L.A.? That was specifically a response to ownership saying, hey, if y'all not going to pay for the stadium, we're taking this team somewhere else. So, I mean, where's the loyalty in that? Not there. Not present. Coaches. Matter of fact, let's let's talk about Vontae Davis, the player, because my understanding of the situation is, is that, you know, Vontae, uh, it, was, it may have either been this game or the previous game had actually been replaced. He had actually been, you know, demoted for another player, I guess, who was playing better or who they thought maybe, you know, um, would provide you know a a better service or or play better for the particular team so the team is not necessarily even loyal to Vontae but I I really don't want to get lost in you know the day-to-day details of what happens in the NFL because I think the power of this conversation and the power in what Vontae Davis did I think really speaks more to labor conditions in America as opposed to what it says about the NFL, because to me, like nothing more can be said. Nothing more needs to be said about the NFL. The NFL is trash. I mean, the NFL is a league where they will literally blackball you for taking a knee for social justice. Like we've seen between the NFL and between the NCAA, like serious civil rights violations. I mean, things where you can't protest social justice, things where you know, you basically have players who are in indentured servitude, like you're not, you know, paying players who invest in the billion dollar industry. And I'm talking about, of course, the NCAA, your semi pro NCAA, your professional, you know, National Football League. I mean, those leagues are trash and they're trash because of how they treat the labor force. Now, here's the thing when when we talk about the NFL and, and here's why I think people get lost in the sauce. They get lost in the sauce because people get lost in the entertainment value of the NFL. And as I sit up here and I've watched the NFL for many years, I root for the Carolina Panthers. Like football just doesn't have the same like entertainment value to me anymore. I enjoy, you know, the the camaraderie that, you know, comes with, you know, I may meet people who are Carolina Panthers fans. You know, I enjoy the competition when I play fantasy football, but. I'm able to differentiate, you know, between like personal interests in terms of like entertainment value and understanding that these are real human beings. These are not robots playing football. They have feelings. You know, um, there are repercussions that come with the game that they love and the game that they play. And so when we talk about an individual, a man, a human being who's played the game of football for 10 years and has come to a point where he says, you know what, this is it. I'm done. I salute that man for, you know, and I'm hearing people uh, throw around terms like personal integrity. That man upheld his personal integrity. We, I think we weigh personal integrity in terms of what other people think. And you do yourself a disservice when you do that. And I, and I, and I mean, there's, there's so much I can even say off of that. And, you know, I hope I get to a point, like, I hope I don't 
I got so many thoughts that's coming in my head right now about this issue, man, because there's so there's so much and in, in so many like ideas in terms of like respectability politics that I'm hearing. But at the end of the day, based on the con- the conditions of labor, based on the way that the NFL is treating these guys, I mean, Vontae Davis doesn't need to apologize for anything. Before I um I really uh, dig into this thing from a labor perspective, I want to go back and I want to go back to the the comments that we had at the start of the show, and those comments were from um, linebacker Lorenzo Alexander, um, who was the uh, the linebacker for the Bills, and you know he said that you know it was totally disrespectful to his teammates, and in all honesty, Lorenzo Alexander's comments remind me a lot of some of the comments that uh, Le'Veon Bell's teammates made. And, of course, Le'Veon Bell is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers running back who is currently holding out because he's trying to negotiate a better deal. Again, it's a labor dispute. It's a, a dynamic of labor. But I what, I what I strongly dislike about the NFL, in addition to a lot of other things about the NFL, as you guys know, and you guys have been listening to previous podcasts, is, like, the labor class, like, cannot – it seems like that the labor class is just – is unable or – just can't seem to unify. And I would go so far as to say as the NFL, they have the worst um, in terms of like their, their, their union, their, you know, being a collective, like they're the worst. And I think the owners know that. And so, you know, we're seeing all of these different uh, situations and dynamics come up that relate to labor. And when collective bargaining comes up, like the owners are not going to forget about this. The owners know that, when adversity strikes, the players are going to attack one another. And if the owners are unified and the players are divided, then the owners are going to be able to dictate labor conditions um, and even and tighten the belt even more than they already are. And here's the thing about, you know, when we talk about sports and entertainment and things like that, I'm able to look at sports now even more than ever. And I'm able to see how sports and entertainment Oftentimes is a microcosm for some of the things that we see happening, you know, in our everyday lives, uh, especially as it relates to social justice. I mean, we see people working in incredibly difficult conditions. I mean, we see people, you know, I can I can attest to this personally. Uh, when you talk about, you know, working in manufacturing, I mean, those are I mean, those are some of the most strenuous jobs. And, you know, people will say things like, well, you know, you get uh, you get paid a certain amount. But. You know, pay doesn't necessarily equate to freedom. It doesn't, you know, equate to freedom of expression, freedom of movement, freedom to express yourself. You still, you know, find yourself, you know, being oppressed by the system. And I truly believe that Vontae Davis dealt with all of these things as he was making this decision and ultimately, you know, may uh, decided to retire. But I just I'm really trying to understand, like. I question society as a whole because and I and I'm just saying this among black folks and y'all know I love I look I love my people I love us man but what I can't understand for the life of me is that the same people giving energy to Colin Kaepernick for being a radical for you know standing up for what he believed in even if it means sacrificing everything and and doing what he did and doing what he's doing on his own terms how you can root for Colin Kaepernick in one instance and then rebuke this brother Vontae Davis on the other end. I don't get it. Well, actually, let me not say that. I understand it perfectly. People are not as radical as as they think they are. 
and they tie their being radical. I'm not even going to say radical because it's an insult to, to being a radical. They tie their wokeness to what's popular, to whatever's the flavor of the week, to whatever the media may be rooting for or rooting against. And that's why I think for many people like uh, Vontae Davis's decision to retire is is so contrary to people's beliefs because people are so accustomed. They've settled in to these job, these jobs that aren't gratifying, these jobs that will spit in your face, these jobs that, you know, will fire you without a moment's notice and replace you. And we say we do it because of our families. And that's partially true. But we also do it because we're cowards. We do it because we're downtrodden. We do it and we do it in a way that lacks dignity. And the insult to injury is, is that it's become generational. We pass it down. We pass down this disrespect. We pass down this indignity. And so here we are. And so when people, you know, make a, a decision that impacts them that we can't relate to, that challenges the system, that bucks the system, you know, we get into our whole, you know, we get into our little pulpits and I can't believe he retired. You know, he, he owes this. He owes that. No, he doesn't. But it's just like that quote from Malcolm X. Malcolm X, and th- I mean, this is a classic. Y'all already know it. If you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. And of course, you know, newspapers are phasing out. But I mean, you could basically replace newspapers and say the media. And that's I mean, that's basically what's going on here is that if you're not careful, the media will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. And I mean, that's the NFL to a T. You know, we love, you know, the we love the ownership. We love the teams. We're loyal to them. You know, uh, we love the fan bases, but we hate the players. We hate the players because they're standing up for, you know, social justice. We hate the players because they're quitting on the spot. And we're not looking at the real effects of CTE. We're not looking at what's happening to these uh, men after retirement. We're not looking at how the NFL is not taking care of them post-retirement. We don't look at those things. But there's one more point I want to get to before we uh, go to a break here. And I go to go to a music break because I know y'all are loving that right now. And it's it's about the benefit of the doubt. It's about understanding that, you know, like empathizing with the person who's next to you, whether it's somebody that you're working with, you know, whether it's the, and this is the failure of, of Lorenzo Alexander, who I think is one of the team captains with the Bills. But this is the the failure to really identify with someone whom you would say is your brother. If this is your brother and your brother's saying, hey, man, I can't do this anymore. Like, why not empathize with him instead of rebuking him? And not only I mean, you can rebuke him in private, but you chose to in the emotion, in the heat of the moment, rebuke him publicly. And that's your brother. That's the guy who, you know, has been going to battle with you for so many years. That's the guy who, you know, you supposedly identify with. That's not what I'm made of, man. If a guy next to me, I'm talking about literally on my job, the guy next to me quit mid shift. I'm going to tell them Godspeed, man, because I know how I feel about my job. I wish I wish it was me. But beyond that, I understand like what these jobs do to you, man. These jobs like they and indignity is the best word I can come up with, man. They take you away from your family. They strip you of your prime, the best years of your life. And for what? For a measly paycheck? Nah, man, forget about that, bro. We're going to go ahead and go to commercial, man. I got a classic joint for y'all, man. This is from the album where everybody thought Jay-Z was going to quit, man. This joint is called What More Can I Say? You're listening to Making a Difference. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh. 
Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get them again. This time is for the money, man. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a this good for this long, this hood. Oh, this pop, this hot. Oh, this strong with so many different flows. This one's for this song. The next one I switch up. This one will get bit up. He's too lazy to make up. They crazy, they don't. Paint pictures, they just trace me, you know what? Soon they forget where they club. They hold style from the try to reverse the outcome. I'm like, huh? I'm not a biter, I'm a writer for myself and others. I say a big verse, I'm only big enough, my brother. Big enough, my barrel. I'm big enough to do it, I'm that barrel. Plus, I know my own flow is foolish. So the rings and things you sing about, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the barrel's in your mouth. I'm in new sneakers, new seaters, few divas. What more can I tell you? Let me spell it for you. W-I-L-L-I-E Nobody truer than H-O-V And I'm back for more New York's ambassador Prime Minister Back to finish my business up Scared. I'm everywhere, you ain't never there 
why would I ever care? Pound for pound, I'm the best to ever come around here. Excluding nobody, look what I embody. The soul of a hustler, I really ran the street. A CEO's mind, that marketing plan was me. And no, I ain't get shot up a whole bunch of times. Or make up in a whole bunch of lines. And I ain't animated like say a Busta Rhyme But the real you get when you bust down my lines Add that to the fact I went plat a bunch of times Times that by my influence on pop culture I supposed to be number one on everybody list We'll see what happens when I no longer exist This one My name is Lauren Macon and you are listening to Making a Difference With my handsome husband, Ken Macon I am Gloria Frazier, and I have been your Georgia State Representative for House District 126 for over a decade. You have trusted me with this awesome responsibility since 2006, and I ask that you trust me once again with your vote in the general election on Tuesday, November the 6th. I could tell you about the various committees I have served on in the State House, or the recognition in the form of awards I have received. I would rather much talk about the importance of serving my community. Service that takes a shape in the form of a world-class cyber center and training facility here in Augusta, Georgia. $50 million have been allocated by the state in this facility, which will bring jobs and opportunities to Richmond County. Service that takes shape in the form of dedication to education and affordable health care. Service isn't just about buildings. It's about building up people whether it's a child in pre-K or a senior citizen. That's why it's so important that you vote for me in November. Involve yourself in the political process, not just when you vote, but also informing yourself about what's going on in your city, your state, and this country. I am grateful for your support in the primary and for the past 13 years. Now I'm asking you to continue your support by re-electing me, Gloria Frazier, as your Georgia State Representative for House District 126 paid for by the Committee to Re-Elect Gloria Frazier. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. You listen to the greatest podcast, look, at least on planet Earth, if not, you know, in the galaxy and, you know, a little further out. We're uh, talking about Vontae Davis saying, I just want to kind of give you guys uh, some perspective straight from the source, man. Um, Vontae Davis actually uh, sent in, I believe, a letter to the NFL and just kind of you know, expressed why he did what he did. He said, this isn't how I picture retiring from the NFL. But in my 10th NFL season, I've been doing what my body has been programmed to do, get ready to play on game day. I've endured multiple surgeries and played through many different injuries throughout my career and over the last few weeks. This was the latest physical challenge. But today on the field, reality hit me fast and hard. I shouldn't be out there anymore. I meant no disrespect to my teammates and coaches, but I hold myself to a standard. Mentally, I always expect to play at a high level, but physically, I know today that it's impossible, and I had an honest moment with myself. While I was on the field, I just didn't feel right, and I told the coaches I'm not feeling like myself. I also wondered, do I want to keep sacrificing? And truthfully, I do not because the season is long, and it's more important for me and my family to walk away healthy than to willfully embrace the warrior mentality and limp away too late. This was an overwhelming decision, but I'm at peace with myself and my family. I choose to be grateful to God for allowing me to play the game that I've loved as a boy until I turned 30 years old. I choose to be grateful to God for being a part of the NFL and making lifelong friends over the last decade. 
There were roadblocks and pitfalls along the way, but I am grateful to God for all of it because he doesn't promise any of us an easy journey. Lastly, I'm grateful to God for what he has in store for me ahead in this next chapter of my life. Vontae Davis. I want to add some commentary from Arian Foster. Arian Foster, uh, he's, a, he's a different type of cat, but I mean that as a compliment, man. He really, I think he looks at life holistically, man. I think he just looks at things. He's not, you know, he, he's, he's not, a, he's far from a robot, man. He, um, he followed up with uh, Vontae's decision. He said, uh, because, you know, of course, you know, Twitter is a, you know, look, soundboard for anything and everything but here's how he responded to the backlash to um to davis's decision to retire he said you've never played football into your 30s over half your life you've been beating your body up and one day one moment it hits you i can't do this anymore and any man that reaches that point i relate to if you don't you don't all that quitting stuff and i'm paraphrasing is feelings g and when he says what all that quitting stuff is you know people saying that he quit and i and i find i take insult to that as well a man played a decade in the nfl i mean the average nfl career i believe is three years so the guy played 10 years and you know he decided to step away from the game and now he's a quitter or he's quitting get out of here man but i do want to say this man because i really don't think there's that much more to say man as it as it relates to this situation or this podcast and i want to revisit you know kaepernick and how people are able to or not able to see the similarities, you know, in what Kaepernick is doing and what Vontae Davis did. And I think about uh, Kaepernick and his uh, decision to sign a deal with Nike. And I'm really seeing that as like in some ways that revolution is over. And the reason why I say that is because I understand that whenever you have corporate involvement, in a movement, it changes drastically. A lot of what Kaepernick was doing or what he has done was, was radical. It was it had a specific focus in terms of social justice. I watched the um, the initial commercial with Kaepernick, um, the one that says, you know, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And that commercial was pretty safe. I mean, it wasn't, you know, radical in terms of some of the things that Colin Kaepernick has been talking about. And so I already see that transition happened. I'm also saying, you know, Kaepernick was on social media recently and believe that uh, he was, you know, selling some jerseys. And of course the jerseys sold out quickly, but he's selling the jerseys for $175. And I'm like, bruh, who can, who can afford that? Like the people who were struggling, the people who, you know, I felt like that Kaepernick was really able to identify with and grasp, you know, as you know, he was on his crusade. I don't think that a $175 Jersey really like, you know, identifies or really understands the struggle of those folks. And, you know, I believe we said this on a previous podcast that, you know, Nike's not here for the revolution. Nike's here to make money, like point blank, period. And so I think we have to be very cautious when we want, when we try to, you know, have a, a meeting in terms of, you know, when you have a movement, you know, and when you try to, you know, have that join up with money or materialism. And I respect, you know, what Colin Kaepernick, you know, is doing in terms of, you know, trying to, you know, secure a life for himself and his family. But I think, you know, when you allow certain parties to become a part of your movement, I think it, it ends that movement. And that's why for me as an individual, that's why for me, you know, as someone who is in the media, you have to be able to differentiate this stuff and you have to be able to see the message and 
you know, and, and the the idea uh, and a lot of these things that that are happening in entertainment to understand that, hey, it's a microcosm of stuff that's going on here. And I think that what Vontae Davis did provides an excellent opportunity for us to look at ourselves, to really ask ourselves, you know, OK, the first question you got to ask yourself, are you happy on this job? Or are you happy with where you are in your life? And so you ask that question. If the answer to that question is no, then ask yourself why you're not choosing to live life on your own terms. Is it because you have family obligations? Is it because of a personal struggle that you're dealing with? Is it maybe because of, you know, family or friends that's holding you back? And so assess that situation, assess it to ask yourself, well, what can I do to keep these things from impeding me? Or how can I use these things to help me get to where I want to get to? Because here's my thing, and I'm I'm talking to you guys right now as a husband, as a father, you know, as a as a son, as a friend, as a brother, as all of these things, man. I'm looking forward to instilling in my son that, hey, you don't have to, you know, depend on somebody else um, to be sufficient. I want my son to be self-sufficient. I want him to be, you know, I want him to have to have an entrepreneurial spirit. I want him to be able to think critically when it comes to, you know, his career. Um, when it comes to, you know, how he chooses to live his life, we say we want better for our kids. But how can we want better for our kids if we understand like how the labor force and how jobs in America basically subjugate people to substandard conditions, to conditions where they have to deal with disrespect for, you know, minimal pay or, you know, put them in a position where they are unable to negotiate their pay. There's a battle going on right now in this country for labor rights. And that battle has reached the Supreme Court. If you're familiar with some of the disputes in manufacturing, I mean, what we're seeing now is, is that we're basically seeing people who work in manufacturing, like voting against unions and voting against their own well-being because of the pushback that they're getting from their employers, that they're getting from upper management. We can do better and we must do better. And if somebody that makes that decides to make a decision to do better in the middle of their shift, and they're working next to me. I'm going to tell them the same thing that I'm telling y'all, man. Love you. Peace. And God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making a Difference. But the movement doesn't stop here. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a different show. That's the best way to keep up with all of our podcasts and video logs. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.